creative company is so delicious, and the creative process is one of my favorite subjects. How humans can create something out of nothing is wildly exciting to me. And one of the best ways I love to spend my time is writing and recording my songs. If a new musician is lucky enough, they have a teacher that will encourage them to think and to feel and to listen beyond the basic nuts and bolts. Jay Bradley is a drummer who does just that, and he's helped thousands and thousands of students over the years find their voice and communicate their thoughts and ideas in a real systematic but passionate way. I love Jay. He's an old friend from Berkeley days when we were students together, and he played in a lot of my shows. He's pretty fantastic. Oh my God, look at you. Look at you, you look great. I said, look, it's you. <laughs> look at you. It's so great to see you. Hi, Jay. Hi, Lauren. My goodness. What is it's it like 42 years since we've seen each other? <laughs> I, I think it's been uh, 39 or 40. Yeah. And I have a funny little story. I went into Boston one day, and I think this is right after you started teaching there. Oh, okay. So it wasn't but, just our graduation day. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was after graduation. It was either 84 or 85, and I was actually purchasing a set of drums at Jack's Drum Shop. Oh. And, and I think it was opening day at Fenway Park at the same time. So um, I'm double parked, and I'm loading these drums into my car. And, <laughs> and, and I see you, and, hey, Lauren, how you doing? And then this Boston City cop comes along and said, buddy, move it. <laughs> So I was like, good to see you, Lauren. Got to run. <laughs> bye bye. Oh, my God. What what drum set was that at that, that time? It was a set of Yamaha drums. Uh, I think it was the um, total, total uh, equipment nerd here. It was the Tour Series. So it was nice maple shells. Um, I remember the, the dimensions on the kit. It was a black wrap on it. And the 14-inch floor tom sung from one end of the continent to the other. It was a beautiful, that that particular drum was just sounded great. The bass drum sounded awesome, too. Wow. The tom-toms that came with it were the power toms that were really in vogue at that point in the mid-80s, the longer, the longer. Uh, and so positioning them on the bass drum was a, a nightmare. <laughs> so uh, since I've since sold the kit and uh, I'm back to just standard size drums at this point. And, <laughs> and, um, but, uh, it going to buy equipment is, is, is an adventure. And I, I, I like going into a place and doing the, um, um, doing the hang there and checking things out and, um, and uh, just it's it's all a special day, you know, to, if you go purchase something and um, you go looking for something. It's an adventure. I, I enjoy it. gathering. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. I, I mean, the chase and the and the looking and the searching and the acquiring. That's it's all part of the fun of it. You know. Oh, oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, and, and the more details you can give us about drums today is, is probably going to be the better because. I'm hoping, you know, for more knowledge about drums and all that myself, you know. Well, uh, but what, from what's behind you, it looks like you're doing pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you have calf heads on that kid? Not yet, but I'm going to get them eventually. 
okay, I did purchase a calfskin head, but I'm afraid to put it on because the temperature is up and down and the humidity has been over and out. And That's true. So I'm just going to start it out with a smaller drum head. And um, um, my goodness, uh, yeah, it's uh, I, I go absolutely bonkers about trying to find the correct head. And like if if I have a great sounding head on my eight by 12 rack, Tom, um, the same model might not be the best sound for my floor, Tom. So um, so I might have a Remo on my on my mounted Tom and an Evans on my lower Tom. So it doesn't really matter. You know, it's wow. just all about the sound, you know, whatever you can get attuned to and whatever makes you happy. That's so great because I can't hit them if they don't sound good. You know? yeah, 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 they drive me bonkers too. You know, yeah. if I'm on a, I have a jazz tuning on a rock gig, I'm like, I'm afraid to hit my tom-toms. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, excuse me. <laughs> I love that you know those subtleties though. I mean, because we go way, way back. You know, I, I think you played in every concert I put on at Berkeley when I was a student. You know, I have pictures of you I'm going to show you next week when we get together. <laughs> from all these different shows you were in and you were in my senior recital and, yeah. and yes. you, you have that, that, you know, like um, the story about when Phil Collins saw the ad in the paper to meet Genesis when they were looking for a drummer right under accordion player, it was an acoustic drummer. They were looking for someone who could be sensitive enough to come up with parts for their original songs. And yeah. you're, you're that kind of drummer. You're that guy. Like you, you played in those original shows of mine and you played things that didn't disrupt me or confuse me or throw me off. You knew how to adapt and, and, and lead us and hold us together and make it groove in such a way that, you know, it just felt comfortable. And, oh and I'm, I'm going to cry here. <laughs> well, those things are really important to me, you know, so. Uh, they are to me too. And I remember the, I remember the night of your, of the, um, over the recital and I remember how you you took the first set you did all guitar and how you were playing pick on uh, an electric and you were playing um oh I can't remember I I, I don't remember but it Recorders. was <laughs> all those crazy was, classical pieces with a pick yeah, yes and um and I remember you putting little flags on the on the neck of your guitar when you played star was it stars and stripes and <laughs> Well, you know, in those days, the senior recital for a guitar player was either you're a traditional jazz player or you're a classical player, traditional okay. classical player. And I wasn't. I was a pop rock player who loved the Beatles and wanted to write her own songs. And they said, you can't sing in your recital. And it's not a show. It's a recital. And you can't talk to the audience. And it's very serious. And you have to understand, we've never had a woman finish this program and men growing up before they went on stage. And so you're not going to be able to cut it. And all this kind of stuff from one of my teachers and I was like don't worry about it I played a lot of shows by myself before I even came to Berkeley like I put in my 10,000 hours on guitar before I ever even went to Berkeley I started I, at nine years old you know and I was doing all kinds of private parties and gigs and and solo guitar and vocal gigs and stuff so I wasn't afraid to do it but the requirements were so steep because it was half hour has to be solo 45 minutes has to be jazz 15 has to be classical and since I wasn't a traditional player with my fingers, it had to be with a pick. Mm -hmm. And now you can do anything you want. I'm like, what? 
I mean, people are coming in playing blues licks and graduating playing blues licks. It's like, what did you learn? What kind of technique did you develop? I yeah. went to Berkeley to become excellent. I was already pretty great, but I wanted to be excellent. And I wanted to be, you know, like a supersonic musician. And I felt like that program dealt so much for my playing and the whole school experience in general. Like, what was it like for you? How did you start? When, how old were you when you started playing drums? And, and what, how did you hear about Berkeley and what brought you to Berkeley? Um, let's see. Let me start with when I first started. Um, uh, my dad had funny stories of how when we would be in the family car on a Sunday and he would have the radio on. And uh, mom and dad were not hip to WABC out of New York at that point. So cousin Brucey was, uh, was who's that? He's not your cousin. And, um, <laughs> but, uh, the Beatles were happening, the monkeys were happening and, um, everybody in the neighborhood, we, we moved down to Long Island at one point from upstate New York and all the neighbors were, it was 1966 and all the neighbors were starting to play guitars. And there was this one family that lived down the street and there was a garage band or a cellar band, I should say. And I could hear the drums being played there. And that caught my attention. Wow. Um, my parents got me a, 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 a cheap Sears guitar or whatever the, the department store guitar was at that point. And I'm not going to try to play chords on this. I think I turned it around because it was acoustic guitar. I made it a bongo drum. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. <laughs> well, Patty Larkin's done whole albums with, you know, percussive oh, sounds all from guitar instruments and things I, like that, playing them sideways and hitting I, and them. That blows me away too. Um, and and then you know I, eventually I did get that first drum set and there's a picture of me and my brother uh, I think it was Christmas 1967 we were back up and up to state New York again at that point and um, I, I was sitting there with my first set of drums so if I can find that picture I'll bring it out with me next week oh great <laughs> yeah and um, so uh, and and you know I would play along with with records you know I had to have records and I think it was the monkeys was the first deal that you know because they were on TV and so I'd play along with those records and those were all uh, the songwriters for those tunes were before the monkeys started writing their own material those were you know who uh, Goffin and 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 uh, King and and you know whole you know, people who were writing tunes for, so I was listening to pretty good stuff. Yes, you were. And, and of course the Beatles and, um, and I started taking drum lessons at school, you know, and you had to have the practice pad, you know, and the big three S sticks that were, you know, bigger than the, I don't know, bigger than a baseball bat, you know, bigger than your arms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A big, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and, um, so, uh, and, and that was reading music, which was okay. And we were playing March tunes and band and whatnot, and that was okay. But when I would come home, it was always, you know, take my mother's old, uh, suitcase, um, uh, turn, turn, <laughs> go down into the cellar and park it right next to the drums and turn the amplifier all the way up on the speaker, all the way up and just play. And my dad came home one day from the dump. And somebody was getting rid of this old, I think it was an RCA stand-up radio. It must have been from the 40s. And, oh, the speaker cabinet was was 
it was light, but the the base response on that was when you turn that on, it was high fi before high fi was high fi. Wow. You know, it, it just had a huge, warm, fat sound. And I think that radio was still kicking around by the time I went to Berkeley. <laughs> And, uh, and I would just play in the cellar and, and then, you know, you get, you turn 13 and 14, you got buddies up the street saying, Hey, we got some guitars and a, and, and a microphone. Come on, bring your drum set up. Let's play. And it was the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and, and, uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival. And, and, uh, and when we, we knew we had made it, when we played a Doobie Brothers tune. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Um, and I think I saw a catalog for Berkeley picking around the music department at my high school. Mm. Like, what is this? And my teacher, Mr. Liskey, said, it's a jazz school. You know, it's more of a pop school. It's not a, a, a state university school like Potsdam, which had, you know, a great rep for classical players. Yeah. And um, I'm trying to figure out, well, what am I going to do with my life? Because <laughs> playing, playing music is just like, I love this, you know. So I spent one year going out to a community college, college in Poughkeepsie, New York. And there was a teacher who lived not far from the college campus, Charlie Morano, who I was told he's the guy you got to go see. And he got me into this book. And um, and stick control and the Buddy Rich Rudiment book, and started getting my hands together and my nice. reading really together because I didn't take my reading too seriously in high school. I made up the parts for a lot of these pieces. I would play snare drum and out in. And my teacher was kind of hip to it. He said, "Well, it kind of works with what we're doing, so just make sure <laughs> you stop, make sure you stop the rests with everybody else." And. Um, <laughs> So um, and and so I sort of got myself prepared in a sense for Berkeley before I got there because I didn't want to be you know um, floundering. Yeah, and and in the fall of '78, which that's the same year you got there. Yes. Yes. And um, it was um, it was no uh, there wasn't a lot of room to be um, you know. Uh, needing to get better at your, your technique. And, um, so when I got to Berkeley, I, and my hands were together, I was starting to get some coordination, but guys at Berkeley, like Ed Kaspik, mm -hmm. uh, who, who was a real delight for a teacher. He was really calm and really methodical and not judgmental, which, wonderful. It, which was, he was a wonderful man. And I was so, um, um, you know, I, I was heartbroken to hear that when he passed a number of years ago. And um, so he got me going and he had me work out of uh, Gary Chafee's book. Um, mm. And um, it just got my sight reading together, got me playing some Latin feels that that to this day, I'm like, um, I have one piano player that I work with. He said, no, Jay, we can't do the standard as a Latin tune. We have to play it as a swing because I, that's that's just really in my in my zone um <laughs> so uh, um what was your major um at first it was i think it was professional music no i i think it was music music ed and then i moved to the um i moved out i still got a degree but it was not in music education 
uh, I think was professional music. And so it left me with leeway as to picking what I wanted to um, study. And I studied with Joe Hunt and I took two semesters with Dean Anderson, um, getting some of my classical chops together. Uh, Yeah. And, um, and I also pulled out of my pocket and got on the bus out to Lexington Lexington and studied with Alan Dawson for five months. Oh man. Yeah. And that was February through like June of 1980. And that was the summer I I stuck around in Boston and um, the money ran out, but the lessons stayed with me for, for, for decades. And he was such a nice man. And he had me take again, this book and, uh, and, and orchestrate, all the rhythms that are in that book in many, many different ways for Latin. Yes. But, uh, for bebop and, um, um, you know, if I was at the drum set here and I had a better sound system, I'd play for you a little bit, but I'll, I can demonstrate some of that stuff next, you know, next time we, we hang. And, um, there was just so much, um, to, to work on it. He would have me, he would have me do drum set exercises, coordination exercises, but the deal was I'd have to sing a 32-bar tune as I played these, these exercises. Oh, cool. And that was really cool. And I use that with my students now. Um, and Alan would get a chuckle because I'd start out in, you know, like the key of D and, and wind up, uh, you know, at the end of the song in the key of Z. And, <laughs> and he would laugh and he says, well, yeah, I'm not a vocal teacher. So, um but uh, there was um, you were modulating. I, you were hip. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. <laughs> I was inspired by Ornette Coleman, right? So, um, what teachers did they did they have? Did you have teachers that taught you how to listen or how to groove or find a pocket with the people you're playing with? Like, because it seems to me that drummers have a special language with bass players. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's unspoken, but sometimes there's just this synergy and this wonderful thing that happens. What is that? How do you teach your students what that is? Um, I, I don't know that there was a particular class about that at that time, but um, with with bass players, um, you know, best way to describe it is I the, the the private school that I'm working at now. We have a jazz band, and primarily, um, I will sit in on the drums and play if the student bass player is basically still trying to learn their their positions on the on the you know on the fretboard um there's a lot for me as the drummer to try to do to control to keep keep the music moving mm. um when um when it got comes time to uh, for the concert the bass teacher there a gentleman by the name of richard syracuse from Saugerties, new york um, comes in and plays a couple of rehearsals, it changes the whole dynamic of the band. I bet. I don't feel like I'm trying to uh, push, push, push. He's I feel like bass. he's playing bass and he's setting down the time and the bass player, I think, sets the time even more so than the drummer. And I felt like I it was... that. When he's, when he's playing and just really nailing it, I feel like I'm dancing. Yeah. I just feel... I feel like, oh, oh, this is so much fun, you know. I know. And, and I, I work with him in trio settings as well. And um, he's very sensitive to the song. I, I, I think a, a big deal of it has to go back to 
starting with the drummer, you really have to listen to the music and you have to keep the form in your head. Yes. And, and right here, you have to know what you're playing. And even when people go into their solos and whatnot, you have to hear the form of the song. Mm-hmm. And that's really stressed with me. It's, you are a musician. Yes, you play the drums, but you're a musician first. And um, so when you're... When you're yeah, you're listening. When you're with that bass player, he's helping you through that as well. Yeah. And, um, you I know, heard, I heard a drum well, teacher say once, uh, I don't know if he was a, t- he probably was giving a lesson, but he was saying to his, his band, don't get to the downbeat before I do. You know, uh, like, you know, yeah. it was like folks are playing independently of each other. They're not listening that they're yeah. going to rely on the bass and mm-hmm. drums to define where it is. You know, I think these days now with a DAW, with everybody recording and so many people doing things with MIDI and to a click, yep. yes, it's a little easier for me to explain to them what I mean. Because as soon as you decide on a tempo, you've decided where those quarter notes are. You've decided yep. then where those eighth notes are. And they are specific of where those sixteenths are. It's not up to interpretation other than feel, you know, because yep. if they're strumming and they realize... They don't even realize that none of their hits are making it anywhere. They're not in sync with anything. It's like, you don't have this strumming hand together. What are you doing? And it's like, listen to that click. This is where your eighth notes are, you know? Um, I know there's the center of the beat and there's the behind the beat and there's a little bit of the head of the beat. Yep. But when I said, okay, I won't get to the downbeat before the drummer does, I'll get in there milliseconds after I had another drummer say to me, no, get there at the same time with me. <laughs> yeah. Even though it's, it's, it's metronomic, it's still, there's a little bit of interpretation and feel. I mean, there's, there's no getting around that. Um, yeah. When I work with students, um, you know, get them to, um, and, and I try to work on all facets of, of playing, of, of working on technique and, you know, getting your hands together and then, getting your limbs together to work in, 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 uh, together and to create, um, a beat, uh, daddy beat, you know, and, um, I will say, look, there are certain recordings you should listen to, uh, with good players. And there's things that, you know, you should pick out who you like to play along with. Yes. And, um, Ringo and Steve Ferrone. (laughs) <laughs> oh, Steve Ferrone. Wow. 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 <laughs> Mr. Groove. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And Ringo, I, I you know, uh, as, as a young kid, I had an appreciation for Ringo. And then I go off and, and, and learn all these other things. And then you come back to Ringo and you go, Ringo's so refreshing. Yes. And um, yes. the early years of that band in 63 and 64, boy, those guys were killing it. You're talking about uh, the Beatles. Yes, I am talking about the Beatles. Yeah. And um, and I often, and I had to go back and listen to more to McCartney and Ringo together. And, I you know, know uh, it, it um, where some bass players would try to play every little note that's being played on the bass drum, you mm-hmm. know, and it, sometimes it's musical, sometimes that's not musical. Paul would give Ringo so much space. And yeah. Ringo, Ringo had a lot of feel, you know, and, and all can, his lines were so melodic at times. Um, it would, would give that, have that give and take of, you know, of 
if if the bass and and um, uh, the drums are locking it in, that's great. But sometimes after a while, it gets a little boring. I mean, it gets a little it's oppressive, you know. And um, and, and all it predictive. It's all a matter of uh, interpretation, uh, musicality, and um, so. Um, I think what but, they don't give Ringo credit for is the fact that he was almost like an orchestral drummer, an orchestral percussionist. He would just listen to the song, and sometimes if it only took or a or a boom, and they make fun of him for not doing all yeah. this, and it's like the song isn't calling for that. Don't you understand that? And so, to me, yeah. it was almost like he was separate guys in the orchestra doing the whole percussion. Yeah department, the whole percussion section. And yeah. that happened at a Pat Metheny audition I heard about. He had been looking for a drummer and he had the whole rehearsal space decked out in different sets of drums and every percussion toy you can imagine. And everybody that came in as they played Pat's songs over the speakers as to how was this person going to react to the music and Pat was going to decide if the person was the yeah. person to go out on the road with him. Everybody was just trying to impress him. So they were running around to everything, doing a million things and just doing chops, 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 chops. And then yeah. this one guy came in and just picked up an egg and did this. And Pat was like, that's my guy. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, we know you can do all the chops stuff, but can you hear the difference between when I need chops and when I need a little, little egg here, you know? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Oh, that, that's great. Um, that's a great story to hear. Um, <laughs> all these little toys kicking around. I've got the A-Shaker and I've got the, the Wiro and um, all these things. And it, I, that's funny. And, and uh, this is free association at this point. And, and I apologize. When I was at Berkeley, there was a church that I would go play at, uh, St. Anne's, which was right down the street near um, uh, was Symphony Hall. And um, it, it, they weren't much on having a drum set except once in a while there'd be a gospel tune. So you'd have to, you know, load in a, a drum set for that. And um, but it had finger cymbals. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I played the finger cymbals on this one tune one time. And I think it was for Easter. So we had liturgical dancers and everything. Wow. And yeah, it was such, oh, that was such, so much fun. But there was some of the sensitivity that I learned was, was with that situation of playing just what you need at that particular time. And the, the story with Pat Metheny of just looking for that one person, just playing the egg shaker of just grooving. And, um, you know, all, all these, all these crazy paradiddles and, they're not coming through. Through, <laughs> I'm sorry. All that crazy stuff is. Um, I, I don't get to use a lot of that. You know, when you're when you're playing in in a trio or backing up a singer, um, or playing yeah. in a sm smaller group, um, you know, you play the groove, you play taste, and um, you try to make the beat, the groove, interesting. And um, and sometimes you're on a gig where the p players really appreciate that and they can compliment that. Mm. And sometimes you, you're on the gig and some people are like, I, I don't know how to react to that. And that can be a bit of a drag. And I think it can get kind of frustrating for some people, too. If you really want to let loose and you've had a ton of training and you have all kinds of expertise, you're probably almost looking for something more progressive 
and um, loud and raucous or whatever to express all that. I mean, you just have to find the right music that it works in. Right. Um, yeah. Um, I, I remember back in the day at Berkeley, it, fusion was a big deal at that point. Yeah. And guys had, you know, uh, sets that could really haul mm. and really put it out there. Yeah. And, and I don't know that I could compete with that. I couldn't compete with that. And I'm not uh, competitive at all. So it's like, I, I don't compete at anything. Yeah. I don't even no. go to jam sessions. It's like, that's just not my thing, you know? That, that, I, that good point. Good point. Um, and uh, not that I wanted to compete with that, but my point was, is that, um, you know, my, my style is, is, is much more introspective, I suppose. And I want to get to the, the heart of the piece. Yes. I, I love to play a jazz samba. I loved, I love to play bossa nova and I love to get a little funky, you okay. know? Um, but um a, a nice pair of brushes on a, on a nice uh, coated head, you know, and getting that 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 movement uh, and and that uh, soul that, that soul can happen there too. Right. There was a spot um, behind the Mass Ave building, but uh, behind the dormitory, there was I think it was a church. I think it was Saint Cecilia's. They had a little green area. Still right there. Now. It is still there. Yeah. Okay. Statues and stuff and. Yep. And the benches, I used to take um, like a little uh, a folder out there and uh, a pair of brushes. And I would sit on one of the concrete benches and I would just play on that manila folder. It was a manila folder. It was, it was a folder that you could put papers in. And it had some resistance so you could get that nice shh. Oh, cool. Yeah. And that I always found to be a lot of fun of just getting out there and getting out of the dormitory and getting out outside too. Yes. It's awesome. And, um, with, um, with bass players, I like bass players who are going to, you know, who give and take and, um, um, good bass players supposed to not so good bass players and, uh, teaching groove is, um, um, Kind of a, 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 ne- a well, not nebulous. That's not the word I'm looking for, but it, it's a concept, and it's <laughs> it is kind of nebulous. <laughs> oral, an oral concept, a u r a l, and um, it's um, it, it's you, you play along with with records, <laughs> records, um, and uh, and you you learn good time, but mm. you have you have to be able to sing a song within you. And as you're playing your instrument and when you're practicing, you're practicing your, your coordination exercises. Can you do that and think of a song at the same time? And for some kids, for some students, the act of being able to sing or hum while they're playing is a hard thing for them to do. Some kids can't do that. It's like adding an but, extra limb. <laughs> yes. Yes, it, it, it is. Actually, it's an extra really, task for the brain, you know, it's, it certainly is. And, uh, but for the ones who sort of work on that and start to get it, their time does improve and they become more musical and they're not hitting the symbols as hard. They're, they're trying to hear what they're, they have in their head. What they're thinking about. Yeah. What they're well, thinking. What you're of- talking about is focus because if you're not counting and paying attention, every beat sounds the same. You don't yeah. know where you are. Yes, exactly. So, saying words and following through like because 
we grew up listening to songs and wanting to play music because of songs, not like, I just want to shred or I just want to learn this lick or I want to look cool playing behind my back or whatever it is. There, there was songs we were wanting to participate in. And we knew when you put the record on, it kept going. Yeah. So you kept playing to the end. We could play a whole song. Yes. I mean, these days, I don't know if it happens with your drum students, but with guitar students, it's like, hey, do you know this song? They go, oh, yeah. I go, okay, let's play it. They go, oh, no, I don't know it. And like, well, what do you know? It, well, I know the riff. Okay, play the riff. Well, I don't really know it. You know, so there's levels of I've heard of that. I know kind of how that goes. I can play it. I can't play it in time. I can't play it in front of people. I certainly couldn't play it on stage tonight in front of thousands of people. Like, you need to know it. Yeah. They don't understand what it means when you hit that downbeat and somebody counts it in. It's you're on. You know, it's yes. like you got to break the silence and go and keep going. <laughs> and know where you are and get to the end with everybody. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I that having that that having the musicality when you practice, I think such such your mind up. And yes, that's an interesting thing that you said. Those records kept right on going. You go from one song to the next. Yeah. And, and that we didn't was have a space bar to keep stopping it. You know, it was like you had to find your place again with the record needle, you know. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's a that's a memory. Mm -hmm. um, um, it, it, there seems to be, uh, and this is not to be critical of what's out there now. Um, there seem to be one or two places where you can access this song on your vinyl or mm -hmm. on the on the radio. It was hit or miss. You'd have to wait for the song to come, you know, come back around on on the uh, whatever right. the schedule. And um, so. It, and I don't know if, if 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 something like well, it's that song is here now. It's here now. It's streaming here. It's here there. It's everywhere. I don't know if people <laughs> kind of lose track of where everything is. However, um, but um, I I've had students. I've had to enforce that more with my students. At you know they they take they take drums for for credit with me. So uh, it's like okay we. You've got to start playing, put those ear pods in and play along and then go back and play again. Yeah. You know, no matter how accident, if you're, you know, if you have a you have a little Walkman with a CD player in it. Yeah, not really. Um, but um, or, or your phone, do it again and, yeah. and, and 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 build up not just the three minutes and turn it off and walk away. But be with the song for a while. Let it absorb. Let it change your heart beat a little bit, let it change the dynamic within your body, you know, and you, you, you know about the fact that you sit down with your guitar and start figuring something out and what you were thinking about earlier in the day is gone. You know, it, it puts things in perspective and the, yeah. the same thing with me. If I'm like, well, I need to be working on this. Well, okay, I'll get to, and finally when I sit down and work on it and go headlong into it, my blood pressure goes down, you know. Because uh, you're uh, meditating. It's your meditation. Yeah. It's your it's, centering and you're, you're aligning with yourself. It's coming back to who you really are. You know, that, that's so true. That's a beautiful, that beautiful thing we have. Exactly what it is. Exactly yeah. what it is. Um, for Groove, sometimes also with students, I will have them. Uh, we do have a... Um, set of conga drums at the school uh, they're they're not uh, not to be moved out of this room but um 
for them to get their hands on the skin, on the mule skin, to actually try to just just play a little bit, not to try to learn them how to do a slap and build up the calluses and all that. That can take a while and that can hurt. Mm -hmm. But their hands on something, you know, and put the sticks down and put the brushes down and just just their body feeling that that um, um, that and and I think that translates of of, of me- that's a form of meditation as well and, oh, it, and you know and it helps you dig into the groove a little bit better you know technique aside mm-hmm. get at the drum and just just okay. play. But yeah, yeah. You and have tips right there on the on the conga while we're on that about how to hit it or tap it without breaking blood vessels in your fingers. Like I don't have enough meat, it seems like, on my yeah. fingers that I can't really play things by hand. I uh, well, funny thing, um, I gave up a lot on hand drum stuff many many years ago. I took a fall one time and I broke my left hand. Oh, and yeah. Um, but um, I the the two two bones right in here cracked. And, um, so it was six weeks before I could play again. And, um, so when, if I was to sit down and start going at the congas again, at this point, it's still, I would get achy. And, um, I didn't per se take any lessons with, with, on on the, on the hand drums at Berkeley and I've not improvised on my own. And, um, if I stayed with it for a long time, Lauren, I think I would be able to to develop a little bit of a callus and get something going on. If you watch the best players, it doesn't look like they're really hitting it hard. There's no. a certain technique where they draw the sound out of the drum. Hmm. And um, so I, 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 I must admit I'm um, um, not up to uh, par with um, information on, on the hand drums. I just use different textures oh, and mallets oh. and sticks oh. and clumps of things. yeah the, those the, <laughs> that sounds good i'll use that <laughs> those are yes i've done that on on congas and whatnot those those rods those those like um yeah. oh, broom broomsticks right wonderful they really and there's sound. all kinds of yeah plastics and the plastic guys yeah and- lauren yeah <laughs> How about these crazy things? What the heck is this? <laughs> like, it's I, a tube. Just hit it. Oh, oh really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Th- those tubes are cool. You could get them pitched and whatnot. And uh, I did a general music class in school where wow. you know, the kids would love those. And they would really? be hitting the floor with those. And we get these little patterns going, and it was, you know, uh, it was Mr. Bradley. Can we use the 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 boom whackers today? I'm like, okay, you know, <laughs> that's so cool. Go play with the boom whackers, and basically, I, I wouldn't have to wouldn't have, wouldn't have to you know ask them to play anything. They would just go after it. I love yeah. what you said about the heartbeat before, because Jim Keltner always said that about George Harrison. He said he just had a lovely, a beautiful heartbeat, like he, his sense of time and his sense of writing a song. He, Jim loved playing to George Harrison's songs. That's interesting. That's yeah. interesting. You know, if you listen, yeah, that's an interesting point. If you listen to George's tunes, post, even, even when he was with the Beatles, there's a certain openness and calmness of those tunes. Hmm. That, that, a totally different feel. Um, 
Uh, it's a big generality, but I think mostly, you know, post Beatles, his sound really uh, was um, quite different, quite different. And there, there was, there was a yeah. I'm going to shut. It has up. everything to do with energy. How we're energy. Everything is energy. You know, the heart of a human being actually gives off energetic resonances and and sound waves or or something that we actually feel. You know, when they say, wow, the vibe in that room was really weird. I mean, the vibes we give each other certainly get into the music, whether we're in a good mood, whether in a bad mood, like all your intentions, everything that you're feeling comes through every note you're playing. Are you playing with love? Are you playing with a bunch of aggravation? All that stuff matters. And I bet just like the sense of time then, if somebody's really in a, in a hyper place, like I remember if I was playing when I was really tired, with some of my Beatle bands and being on tour with them, I would feel like some of those songs were just so fast. I was like, why are we playing this so fast tonight? And they probably counted it off in exactly the right place, but I was so tired, it felt fast to me. And then there were times where I was so up and so excited because it was like 7,000 people out there that I'd be thinking, come on, come on, we're playing it too slow. And I'd be like wanting to speed everybody up. And it was like, where are they? They're not with me, you know, but we're all feeling things in a different place. And I bet that heartbeat is the same thing. Like I have a very fast heartbeat, even at rest. I'm just like this little hyper puppy most of the time. No matter how much exercising and running I do, it doesn't really go down much lower. And um, I have to, I, I think that's why like really fast out kind of jazz and stuff like that makes me crazy. You know, it's, it's just too much speed for me. I need things to be a little calmer. And I think other people feel things in different places, obviously. So there are some people I listen to play and I go, where is your sense of time? It's like nowhere near mine. Like I could not grok what they're doing when they're doing it. I wouldn't be able to play with them. To me, they're out to lunch, you know, and they probably think the same thing about me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like getting along with somebody. Sure. Or, you know, like when Paul and Ringo first played together, they were like, the whole band, all three Beatles went, oh my God, this guy Ringo is amazing. Like we yep. sound better than we've ever sounded before. He was the right fit. Yes, yes. Yeah, and they and that's a funny thing. You bring that up. They knew. They knew right away. <laughs> what do you think, though, about time and feel? I mean, it's just a matter of finding people you grok and can get along with, right? Yes. It, Not it, anything it, you can enforce or teach or... It really is. You you have to find the, you know, you have to, in the matter of uh, in the time that you know you'll work with this bass player or that bass player or you work with this guitarist or that guitarist you you find players who that you um um meld with better like and it. yeah meld is good i i got on a gig one night with a singer in great barrington massachusetts and um she's a great singer i really like working with her i'd never worked with a piano player before and this guy, his name is Benny, and he was killing it. And I heard lines that I hadn't heard since. Um, well, he reminded me a little bit of Horace Silver. There were some lines in there from that, that were like, oh, this this cat can play. And mm -hmm. he was just this really unassuming, nice guy. And um, and he would play the, the nicest voicings at the right time in the right octave and not get in anybody's way. And then when it came around to playing his solos, the solos were 
um, you, you use that term shredding. They were not shredding. He was just playing the best notes at the right time with the right rhythms and the right space. He was singing. Help. He was breathing. Oh, and, and it was just, to, and it just, Feeling. and it makes the groove even, even thicker. <clears throat> makes that stew even tastier. Yes. And, yes. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. So I asked him on the, on the break, I said, Benny, if, 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 if you listen to a lot of Horace Silver, he says, yeah, among others, you know, and um, and so whenever this particular player is, uh, you know, whatever, I'm on a date and he's on it, I'm just like, oh, this is going to be fun. This is going to be a blast. And <laughs> That's it, <the> fun. <laughs> and, fun and saying, connection, thank you. Oh man, and and he tells good jokes on the break too. He's a funny guy. So, yeah. um, and 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 funny thing is is about him. I'm thinking, well, he's a jazz player, but I've heard him play pop gigs too, and he's mm. just he's perfect. He's just got huge ears, and um and doesn't you know put up any walls saying, well, I'm I'm not a pop player, and you know he's maybe 15 years um, younger than me. He's maybe 40 maybe 40 and um he's he's wow. you know he's he's just a free spirit and 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 just loves it and um when you have guys like that in the rhythm section it could you know if, if maybe you're not playing with you, you know the best player that uh, bass player that you like or the, the bass player you like the best it just changes the whole landscape and um and everybody is just listening to each other you know even more and uh, you know, it, it, the whole you know, thing just rises like there's like, you know, yeah. Like, what do they say? The Irish saying, I think it's something like uh, uh, a rising tide lifts all boats. Oh, really? That, yeah, that's... I, that's what I like. I like when a, a group of people come together already mutually admiring each other, respecting each other without having to get one over the other and mm -hmm. better. I'm better than you kind of attitude like. We're just doing this together. And the whole thing sounds better because of our willingness to connect and be kind and just be yeah. there for the fun, you know? Like you that, said, not, not competing or judgmental. Yeah. Yes. Um, wow. You no, know, here's something I found interesting thinking about it in terms of my upbringing and studying and practicing and then other instruments like bass and drums you guys get the invitation and desire to play with other people a heck of a lot sooner than piano player and guitar players do i think we're like sort of taught to be virtuosos self-contained we can do it all ourselves yeah. i had some bass players and drummers say to me well <laughs> you've got a great groove going there and a bass line besides your harmony and your melody on top because they taught you how to be a, a super guitar freak uh a circus guitar player at berkeley like what do you want us to do you know oh and, wow, wow. wow. <laughs> uh but but you know, bass players and drummers are always looking for people to play with. Like Ringo doesn't even practice, he says. For years, he's never practiced. He's just looking for people to play with. So with yeah. all those playing opportunity hours, you're getting around to everything anyway. Everything that matters for playing with other people anyway. Yeah. If you're playing with, with good folks, the people that you really want to play with or in directions that you want to go to. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I. Cool. 
I've um, taken up t- uh, taking some lessons on my own with a with a teacher over near Woodstock, New York. Like once a month, I go over and grab a lesson, and um, and it's it's thrilling for me, and to be able to um, you know sit there and play a snare drum piece with him and this cat who was from New York originally. And he's like, wow, okay. This guy's a real serious dude. Nice guy. Get over to his place, you know, big, big mug of coffee coming out of the French press, you know, let's go play. And, um, but it's made me even more hungry to, you know, okay, I am practicing, but, but it's maybe more hungry to get out and play with more players and some different players and play in new situations. I love that and, we're still studying. We're both still learning new things. Yeah. 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 Well, hopefully we are, you know, and, um, I, I wanted that and, and I wanted to grab a, a few lessons with him for brushes anyway. Hmm. And, um, but getting back to your point of, of you know the drummers and, and bass players always looking to play with people and that's great um i it, it, with the i'm not gonna say the economy is bad but things have changed where you know um where places were hiring quartets and quintets they're now hiring duos and trios mm. and so, you know the drummer doesn't get called for the gig mm. um, so there's that going on. You mentioned something about, you know, being able to play those chords in the melody and play that bass line at the same time. Mm. And, and that that literally just blows my mind. And and I've, I've heard guys <laughs> do it uh, like John Pizzarelli on the radio. I've heard him do stuff like that. Yeah. And but you what? You've got a seven string guitar and I mean, what aren't six enough? <laughs> how can you? how can you do that? Plus you're, you're, you're playing on an instrument with a fret. There's a fretboard instead of the keys laid out in front of you. Mm. And like, wow, that that's accessing parts of the brain that, um, I mean, you've really, you've really got to adapt to that. To me, that that's like an alien language almost, you know, <laughs> I know I have a piano player friend who says, you're playing chess on six levels. <laughs> She's used to the linearness of just one string at a time as a piano would be laid out. But I find piano a bit daunting because I never spend consistent enough time on it. I've only been writing on piano, writing songs about 10 years. And okay. I dabble and I might learn a bunch of Beatle tunes and listen to the chords I know I have how to play it in the, you know, on guitar in my head. So I go, okay, let me find how I would voice that. And I'll play a few songs for a few weeks and go, wow, this is so fun. And I love piano and the, the overtones just move me in such a different yeah. way than guitar. And then if I don't play those songs for a few months, they're gone. It's like, <laughs> I can't just sit down and read a chord chart. And so it's like, I really want to start practicing piano on a regular basis. And I just like everybody else, I just want to be good at something magically without having to put the time in. Why isn't it there when I need it? It takes me weeks to write this song because I can't play it, you know. Jealous of those folks who can sit down at the piano and just like, boom, they're there. And I have uh, found that, you know, and I started to get this at Berkeley. I'd had a few lessons before I got there on the piano with a, with a, a lady from up the street from me. Um, but learning those chords, you know, taking your real book, here it mm-hmm. is. There it is. I bought this baby and, um, um, and, and, and learning the, you know, talking about learning the music, but, um, it, and 
playing the piano on these chords and then you find a piano player that really lights you up when you're on a gig but and you listen to the piano differently because you've played the instrument as well exactly and, you know and and it's it's um it's enlightening it's exciting it's thrilling for me to see somebody just dance over those keys and just like you know well this is a you know what were the terms back? This is a sharp nine with a blah 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 on the bass, you know, and I'm like oh my gosh, oh I'm gonna flunk the course, you know. Uh, but, <laughs> so but, great, but you know it's those mad scientists at at the instrument that are just thrilling yeah. to play, and um, and I was telling you about that guy Benny, and and it, it was just he can be really simple at times, and other times he can just. You know, he can really park it, you know, and get these huge, glorious voicings that it just propel the tune and propel the groove. Mm -hmm. you know? And, um, and man, piano is so much fun. Totally what? is. What else do you play? Um, <laughs> I, I include everything that you dabble with, too. I mean, because if it's got strings, I can get music out of it, you know. So I've got mandolin and ukulele yeah. and a bazooki and uh, a swarmandel and a... a Indian harp thing and you know there's all kinds of things I have hanging around and I'm not a virtuoso on any of them but if I need a particular thing for one of my songs yeah. and I don't want to do it via MIDI and I want to mic something nice it's really fun to put that in the songs you know and if you're touching them and playing them and finding music with them you're playing them it doesn't yeah. mean that you have to be proficient or as proficient on any on everything you know it's it's a matter of letting yourself express yourself through it and your musicianship comes with you, you know, so your sense of taste and your frame of reference and all those things that make you you keep whatever you're doing tasty. And I don't think it sounds like, oh, God, who did you get to play that ukulele part? It sounds lame. It's, it's not like that, you know. <laughs> well, I do play ukulele a little bit. You're right. You're so right. Um, oh, that's great. It, yeah, I, I mean, uh, I was a band teacher for 20 years at, at uh, Weebetuck Central School. And, uh, so you and play everything to a certain degree. I had to play flute, clarinet, trumpet, saxophone. Uh, I loved out. I still have my band instruments at the house here. And I, I played trombone. I, play, I did. We didn't have a string program, so um, which was OK, because to stay sort of proficient all the wind instruments it it was you know it's a lot of it's time consuming you bet <laughs> um, but um it was fun though uh making connections with kids that way and um seeing their eyes pop when they get that sound on the flute for the first time right you know they're learning how to play so cool. head joint and then and then they get it you know and and before you know you have um six or seven um, fourth grade girls in, in, in the room going, I got it, I got it. They're, they're yelling and screaming and just, you know, and then they run back to class and then they run back to lesson next week, you know, and then getting that little information from their homeroom teachers and just like, on, they, they, they couldn't stop talking about it, you know, and, and not, not that that's me per se, it's just being able to be there at that realization in a child's life that they can do this. And oh, start exciting. and then start to get, you know, hold the flute correctly, you know, and get the positions and then, you know, get that B, the G and then the A and the B natural and then working. And, and then, you know, it, it was just so such a blast. Um, and um, well, it's a and, real skill they're getting to participate in. I mean, that's what everybody's concerned about now with education is that 
kids aren't investing any time in any kind of deep way to be good at anything. Exactly. Right. And, and you find those, those, you know, the, the, the water level uh, will, they'll find their water level. You know, some kids will be the leaders in the group, Mm. you know, thing. And the other kids are like, Oh, uh, Jenny is like really nailing it. I got to practice a little bit better. So you have the pace horses in the group, you know, and then there's the, kind of just plug along and like okay you know they'll be they'll be playing the the second flute or third flute part you know and and, you know it it's um um the the clarinet and the saxophone the trumpets the trumpet was the hardest for me because um it it was just it was i don't know it was just maybe my my lip muscles I, i would take a long time to to really build that up and i would purposely make sure that I didn't teach a flute lesson and then teach a trumpet lesson because they were totally different embouchures. Oh, sure. I would last 10 minutes on the trumpet and say, okay, kids, you're on your own. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic, though. What an experience. And what are you teaching now, mostly? Um, Right. I've retired from that. um, And I am teaching at two private schools doing drum lessons. Nice. um, so, but I still, I, I, there's too much sentimental value as far as, you know, that, that little Gemeinhardt flute sit or that Armstrong flute sitting in the other room. No, it's a Yamaha. It's a Yamaha and, um, and the clarinet and uh, the, one of the ones that seemed to, I got the handle on quicker than some of the other instruments yeah. for some strange reason. But right now, primarily I'm a percussion teacher and, um, and it's fun. That's so cool. But I missed, I, boy, do I miss that experience of, of getting the kids, I mean, their first band rehearsal, you know, when they show up and their, their, their eyes are, you know, the size of quarters or, or, you know, half dollars. And, Mm. and, and then they realize that they belong in this, in this uh, rehearsal and they belong in this situation and and for band and, um, and to see them go from uh, there was one particular arranger that I used her her pieces were just like great they, the kids learned a little bit about harmonizing um melody lines and um and the kids would go that sounds so cool what what sounds so cool well you have the melody Mr. Bradley and you have this other thing going on too that makes it sound even better I said that's called harmony and and um and then um, I, I had the fourth through sixth grade band, um, and I also had the middle school jazz band. And, oh, that was a blast because I really had some kids go. Um, I had them playing, you know, Herbie Hancock tunes and, wow. and Miles Davis. And then, you know, there's the pop tune, you know, from one of the movies that comes out. You know, you'd feed them that and let them have fun with that. But you always try to keep them you know, um, just advancing. Cantaloupe Island was one of their favorite pieces. Right. And we actually did uh, a version of Take Five that uh, I had seventh and eighth graders playing, and it was was a good arrangement. That's a great song, yeah. (laughs) Now, what about for yourself? Are you working on any kind of grooves and things that, like, if you sat down and recorded something here, I could write a song to something really cool that you were loving to work on like you know the steve gad thing with uh 50 ways to leave your lover i yeah i i um i have i i have worked on that one uh there was another one um but something of your own that you might be working on so like when you're here next week if you want to play something 
and I, I, I use a piece of it or something, we could collaborate on something. Oh, well, it's something just to pull right down out of the, out of the sky. I've been working on some Latin rhythms with my teacher. Yeah. Um, and um, it, um, you know what, it, it's all in the other room. And I don't want to go in the other room right now because it's kind of scary in there. There's parts and drums and, and paper and everything. Something might bite me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I might get lost. Um, They'll never but, see me again. I'm working on uh, some mambo patterns and um, putting the bass drum on different beats. And I'll, I'll, I can play some of that for you when we get together. Yeah. Um, just and, yeah, there, there's the there's the song clave, which is one. And then there's a mambo clave, three twos. I wish that was coming through. Oh, no. We both have the sound suppression on probably because they keep out the air conditioners and stuff like that. But oh, okay. it, it, it takes out the um, the sound for the musician. So the three, two clave is um, one and two and three and four and one and two and three and four. One and two and three and four and one and two and three. So it's the one, the end of two, the downbeat of four. And in the second measure, you're on the downbeats of two and three. That's oh, the song. Okay. And a three, two. Uh, the mambo clave takes the downbeat of four in the first measure and displaces it by an eighth note. So it's one and two and three and four and one and two and three and four and one and two and three and four and one and two and three. So there's that little kick at the end of it. Yeah, that's like the I Love Lucy theme. <laughs> yeah. But they did that on every uh, measure. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, what the heck is that? <laughs> yeah, back in the 70s when that was on reruns all the time on Channel 5 out of New York. Yeah, yeah. I would notice that beat. I was like, is that drummer drunk or something? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, you know, even the theme song I'm using for this podcast is a song of mine called night vision and it started off as a little guitar idea and it was nice and mellow like almost every other little guitar thing that comes out of me it's this mellow thing and i thought okay don't write another mellow thing here let's see if we can spice this up what if you program a groove you know or find a loop somewhere in logic or whatever and so i grabbed a loop and I noticed this really cool drum fill, and I thought, I'm going to offset it. I'm going to play my little guitar thing at a faster tempo in the wrong place on purpose so that this drum groove makes it oh. sound cooler than it actually is. Thank and you. then I had a friend of mine, uh, Mike, Michael Bean, come in and play the actual drums, and he imitated those fills. He, oh, he, he played what that drum groove was doing and made this song really kick. And it started off as a simple thing, but I wanted to stretch it and do something else with it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I turned it into something more exciting because I was looking for more excitement. You know, like once you've yeah. written hundreds and hundreds of songs and they're all in the sort of 92 to 98, you're like, okay, how about, <laughs> how about branching out a little bit, you know, surprise me. Like I have to keep, uh, exciting my own ears you know like i'm writing music for me i want to hear something different you know so i got that cd of yours i'm going to go back and listen to that 
And well, I'll um, give you one of everything once you're here. <laughs> I still have tons of CDs of every one I've ever made. <laughs> awesome. Um, I, I've been working. Yeah, that's cool that you did that. You displaced things a little bit, and that makes it makes it Ooh. totally messes with your mind. And um, and it's 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 like coming into you, know, you, you turn on the radio and you're listening to this jazzy salsa piece and you hear all these rhythms going on at once and um in, in my younger years i would go where is one you know I was just gonna say yeah <laughs> there's a lot of jazz i feel that way with and i, I know uh, friends of mine would say well it's a circular way of counting and i'm like i don't know what you're saying <laughs> but i i find that kind of stuff fascinating <laughs> um and, and that that's that's one of the things i've been working on and trying to incorporate into a four um a four rhythm uh groove mm. and so um <clears throat> it comes and goes i sit down i've got a little drum kit out in the living room where i will in the morning go out grab my coffee and if i feel like it i'll just sit down and start playing on it nice. the neighbors the neighbors don't mind um anyway um that's good <laughs> yeah, and I'll I'll just get working on that particular groove, and um, I find it hard to incorporate it into some of the pieces that I work with with the, the singers that I do work with. Right. Uh, the, those are jazz situations, so um, so I'm slowly trying to find the right niche for it. it. It might not work at all, but as it stands itself, it's just well, maybe really I could help you with that, like you know, because. I'm not as familiar with this Latin this or this African-American this or that <laughs> sound from Bali this. You know, like I, I'm good at messing up traditional things <laughs> because I don't have those in my wheelhouse. But you, I can make something out of it. And I like the challenge of saying, here's an interesting puzzle piece. Where does it make sense in my brain and in my sensibilities? And how can I make something cool out of this? Huh, okay. All so right. that's why I'm asking for some grooves and stuff, because you'll listen to what I did and go, oh, that's not where it's supposed to be at all, probably. But uh, again, uh, to me, it's like I want to do something that surprises my ear. Uh-huh. Yes. I might be able to come up with something fun. Okay, cool. That sounds <laughs> like I, I'll uh, pull some more stuff out, too. All right. Very <laughs> now, tell me, when did you start playing drums? Uh, I think it was around 1996, I mean, because when I was a little kid, my very first couple of bands playing with my good friend Tommy Carabalese, I'd say, yeah, everybody, let's rehearse at my house. So he'd leave his drums there and let me bang on them. So then when Berkeley got the 921 Boylston Street building, there was a drum set in every classroom. I thought, oh, my God, this is amazing. Because, like, when we were there, we were students, We, you guys all had to bring your own drum sets, leave them in lockers, <laughs> Yep. And there were no amps in the classrooms. There were no drum sets in the classrooms. There were no PA systems. It was like, if you're stupid enough to play electric guitar, you got to bring your own amp to school. And I used to roll it on a luggage carrier. You know, it's like, in my day, I used to have to walk up the hill in snow both ways. And it's like, it's true. You know, I used to live on Peterborough Street in my senior year, and I'd carry two or three guitars to school and a yep. luggage carrier with a polytone amp on the darn thing yep. because I wanted to play electric guitar. And... um I started staying after school, after teaching, just to play the drums. And I realized I've got potential here. So I Ooh. got the Yamaha stage custom set at cost. 
and then I bought some used symbols and uh, hardware, and I was on my way. I had that kit for 22 years. And wow. just a couple of years ago, I got this Gretsch Renown set. And yes. I kind of miss, miss the, uh, the Yamahas because the kick drum was much shorter. Like This is a yeah. very, very long kick drum. And so this is the first time I've turned it around so that the kick drum is now facing the corner to not take up so much of the room. We'll okay. see how it actually sounds. <laughs> okay. All right. But um, I also liked the sound of those toms. I liked the, the dimension of those drums. You know, it, it's like when I was starting with guitar, I had no idea there were different shaped necks and radiuses and heights of frets and thicknesses of frets. And there are some <laughs> guitars that the frets are so high and so big for bigger players with bigger hands and more meat on their fingertips that when I do a glissando and try to slide up a yeah. string instead of going it goes ding 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 yeah. ding <laughs> it sounds like a piano because those frets are like too big for me so some of these drums it feels the same way it's like do you need a set this big not really i'm not um, doing a big power rock show maybe i need a smaller kit you know oh and we've we've talked a little bit about uh what was this that one drum store in south hadley yeah um, Wow. Uh, 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 man. You want to have a ton of money and go have fun and buy all kinds of things and experiment more. <laughs> um, and, but yeah, um, I've noticed on some of the lines, um, production lines of, of like this drum will have a, a standard 22 inch head, but it's a length of like 18 or 20 inches long. And I'm, Holy smokes! If you want to, why don't you just go out and chop a tree down? It's a log, <laughs> you no. Know? And um, on that log. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I've, I've gone back. The, the drum set that I played your recital with, I still have that drum set. Oh wow! Yeah, that's a, 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 a like an early '60s set of Rogers, and that's the biggest bass drum I have. That's a 20-inch kick. Uh, head with a 14 inch length mm. and, uh, my other two drum sets are both bebop kits and my Gretsch bebop kit man that bass drum I, I don't even I've gotten so I don't put anything in the bass drum anymore and these are for live gigs for recording I would definitely do something different yeah. um, but it's got a Pratt muffler on it which has a knob and you've probably seen them oh, right. um is the knob and it pulls this the felt strip right up to the playing head on the inside of the drum. Ooh. Yeah, it's You're so good. Yeah, yeah, and I've been want? dialing it in on the last the last few gigs. Um, if I need <laughs> to muffle that bass drum at all, you know, invariably there, there's a place in South Egremont, Mass, called the Egremont Barn, and we love playing there. It's an old, it's a two hundred year old barn, and um, oh, cool. it's a wonderful little place and it has a storied past uh used to be called the robbie burns pub and arlo guthrie's band used to play there regularly oh. um the backup band and those guys are still around the area but at any rate it was there a couple of saturday nights ago and, and the, the sound engineer comes right up and puts that microphone right in front of the bass drum i'm like okay this is a little place this is not like you know but uh, i had to if, if i muffle it i will take a hand towel and, and yeah. i it, Oh, and I put it in between the the be uh, the, the bass drum pedal and the, and the head itself, and it'll take away some of that extra resonance. 
Nice. Um, and um, so, but in other spots, it's um, it's it's just perfect. And I like the the depth of sound that I can get from. There's a lot you can get out of a little 18 inch kick drum. Oh yeah. You know, and um, I've taken um, uh, a Ludwig. I got this Ludwig Rockers floor tom off of eBay, and um, it has the same nice maple shell that uh, the maple the Ludwig Maple Classics have. Oh, and, wow. and I got the conversion kit, and it's a little sixteen by sixteen bass drum. And um, I get a note out of that, and I use this on a trio gig with a guy from from Great Barrington who who will play lots of some uh, bossa nova tunes. And bossa nova is um, I've sort of learned, um, you know, basically it's one and two and three and four and one and two and three and four. Well, bass drum the bass drum is two and three and four. To more like a samba thing, because hmm. there was there. I've seen some um, samba schools. There's a samba school in Berkshire County, believe it or not. And the people playing the cerdos, those big drums, they they hit on two and four, and or the the equivalent of two and four right. modern. And um, so I've been doing that with that bass drum. And that bass drum is just wonderful. And, it, and I put cotton balls in it and just to take some of the boom out of it. In it. And yeah, right in the bass, right in the drum. It's yeah, sitting take, on the bottom head. Yeah, inside yeah. Inside the drum. Inside the drum. And it's sitting like this. And um, let's see. So they, they bounce on the hit probably and then they come back down and mute it. They probably do. Yeah, you know, and I mean... <laughs> Get, That'd be you, a cool video. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great visual. <laughs> I, got, I got that idea from a cat at Berkeley who had just bought a brand new set of grass drums. <laughs> and and, um, and I'm like, Brian, what, what would, would you, and he had a clear head on it, on the bass drum. I said, would you put the cotton balls in there? He says, it takes some of the ring out and it's just enough. That's great. So I tried that idea and, you how know, many you, did it take? <laughs> and how big were the, the cotton balls? <laughs> and um, a bag about yay much. And you know, I open it up and I throw it in there. And oh, the whole bag? The whole bag, yeah. Family and, size? Personal size. Uh, <laughs> you know, I can't remember. Let me see. <laughs> and, I and, love uh, these experiments. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I sometimes will stand back and say, you know, Jay, you're kind of nuts. You know, you're a little bit crazy. But that's what makes it so fun to be us, yeah. to be nuts, to be thinking about these kinds of details. It certainly makes you a little bit healthier than freaking out about all the stuff that's always going on in the world that you can't do anything about, you know? No. <laughs> <laughs> Just get back to your own crazy life. You know? yeah. um, I- and and so that that is kind of like you know you get to a gig and you have to tip the bass drum to make sure the 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 the, the <laughs> Excuse balls. Me, my cotton balls are off. Hang on. <laughs> the cotton balls lay against the batter head, the the striking head. And like, what's up with this guy? <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry, we can't talk like this. It's a family show. <laughs> and. <laughs> They're like trying to cancel you off the gig because there's going to be kids in the audience. Oh my gosh. And <laughs> I, 
I found that I like that. I mean, I, mean, I, I, I gave it, gave up on, you know, putting towels and stuff and uh, styrofoam and, and moon gel and foam rubber and, um, you know, that sort of thing. And um, it seems to work. It's a natural, kind of more of a natural sound. I think there's some, yeah. blue, I mean, if you put so much padding in your bass drum, that there's no resonance, then what do you have a bass drum for? And mm. you need need a little bit of mm. ring. You need a little bit of resonance and ah instead of ah, you know. Right. And, and um, so um, I, I I I use that and some I can tune it a little higher too and get more of a bop sound out of it as well. Oh, wow. So it's it's a ringing drum and. Um, it's so really it's, interesting because there are some forms of jazz that they have the open kick drum, and that's why I don't like that sound of those uh, that style of music. I cannot stand punctuating all that crazy stuff on this big, open, crazy-sounding kick drum. I'm like, why is this thing in this song? And that's a whole genre that makes it hard for me to listen to. Whereas yeah. swing, I'm all excited about the swing and the, some yeah. of the big band stuff is super exciting. There's different types of jazz I really like. And I realize it's because Paul Simon had said very early on in an interview that I heard when I was a kid, when we like a record, we like the song and the performance, of course. He said, but it's the sound of the record that we also like. Now, yeah. here it is. I've loved the Beatles since 1963, since I'm three years old, right? But when I heard the song, She's a Woman, and I still have the single. Oh, wow. Capitol Records here in the United States decided, ooh, we have stereo, because George Martin was putting the master, all the instruments on a track, and all the vocals on a track, just so when they did the mono master, they still had control over how much vocal was going to be in the mix. Oh. Here in America, they got it wrong and thought, oh, stereo, and they put all the instruments on one side and all the vocals uh. on the other. And George Martin never intended that. And so on this particular mix of She's a Woman, if you listen to the original single, they put the whole record on one side of the stereo spectrum and tons of reverb, equal volume on the other side. Mm. So all this mid-range crazy reverb was on this side. And I thought, I don't like this song. When it came yeah. out, I didn't like the song because of the sound of the record. And then the real stereo version came out in the early 80s. And I went, no, there's nothing wrong with the song. It was the sound of the record I didn't like. So that's what happens sometimes with too much crashing cymbals and the resonances, the frequencies I have to pull out in the mixes, or even uh -huh. putting on lots of tracks of my own voice. We all have frequencies in our voice that are like the beautiful parts. And it, depending on the range I'm singing in, there might be something that's annoying to me. And if yeah. I've got 14 background vocals and there's 14 or 16 of me, even 10 of me, it's like all of a sudden it's too much. I got to notch out those frequencies to stop annoying myself <laughs> and making some sound that I don't like when it's just because it's building up unnecessarily and it's not really helping the song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Crazy. Wow. Talk about rabbit holes. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Ah. So much craziness. What excites you most about music? I mean, what keeps you going? How do you get through mm. depression? How do you get through, oh, what am I doing with my life? Oh. Who cares? Oh Who cares about all this? 
Only me. Oh. Why am I doing this? Why am should I torturing I, myself like this my whole life? Should I pay you for this session? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, that you know, that's a really good question. Um, it's just a drive that's within me. Um, and fortunately it helps me mostly, but playing helps me just be funny Jay, you know, just be lighthearted back in the pocket, feeling like myself. Yeah. You know, getting the, getting the game face on and grooving hard. Yeah. Yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, don't show me a picture of me with that face. No, I don't want to see that. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, it, it's, it's, we were oh so self-propelled. How did that happen? Where the heck did we come from? I don't know. I don't know. Amazing. Um, the drive that you know what drives other people i mean what drives artists um to continually keep doing it i mean renoir before, you know not long before he passed away he says now i think i'm finally doing some of my best work mm -hmm. um um you know i boy lauren i don't know how to answer that one it's just it's been with me for so long that yeah, I do wonder once in a while, like, what am, what am I doing? Um, but it's not that I want to stop playing music. Right. I want to keep creating. I want to be in that happy place, you know. And um, and even though uh, even though we've gone, I, I, I but for you, but we've gone through some unhappy places to get here. Hmm. Um, and um, you know, um, I mean. I mean, Berkeley was, was, had peaks and valleys and, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a country boy like me going to live in, in the big city mm. and, and getting used to like, well, when I was in high school, I was a pretty good player. You know, everybody looked up to me, you know, and, and, but, <laughs> oh, there's Tommy Campbell. Oh, you know, at Berkeley. Oh, oh there, <laughs> there goes, uh, there goes Jeff Watts. Oh, Oh, okay. So, that, <laughs> so that's where the bar is drawn. And, um, um, but uh, it's, it's so you play, you practice, you yeah. play other instruments, you play with other people. Yep. So you'd like to get out of a funk. Yeah. I like to get out. Uh, yeah. Um, I'll try to do different things. I've, I've done show, I've worked in shows. Uh, there's a local theater. Uh, that gave me a great big break a, a number of years ago, and I got to meet the singer that I'm working with now because she had come up the city. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, I practice, I play, um, I look at new equipment. Um, That's good. Yes, new equipment helps. <laughs> well, people don't understand that. Like your longevity is new desires. You know, so if we're always clamping down on ourselves, like, don't you have enough guitars? Don't you have enough drum sets? Don't you have, like, you can't be this horrible critic parent to yourself. You have uh, to allow for the evolution of yourself. And if that means buying and selling or trading or sharing or accumulating or whatever, whatever keeps you going that doesn't knock you into bankruptcy, you know, you're okay. You're okay. Yeah. Yes, you have to balance that out, but I'm glad you said that because that makes me feel a lot better because I will think I've found the snare drum, the go-to snare drum, <laughs> um, or the go-to 22-inch jazz ride cymbal. 
Um, You're or, never satisfied. You always want something out. Well, that's yeah. our curiosity. That's what keeps us young and alive and full of vim and vigor. And, and our and our curiosity is in is in sonic venues. Basically, it's it's yeah. uh, you know if we find that right sound, um, um, that just my gosh! I mean, chakra spin gives you goosebumps. It does, and it makes the pocket this huge, and you, you like you just live there all night. And you, I was like, going to say, you could live in it. Yeah, <laughs> you could live in the pocket. Take it. <laughs> With you, you know, you could, you know, go to the grocery store in it, you know, and, and, and <laughs> it floats your boat for a few weeks. Yeah, does <laughs> you know? And there are some gigs where you just don't want to get off the bandstand. Like, oh well, I'm sorry, the trumpet player doesn't have a lip left, but I want to keep on playing, you know. And that has a lot to do with focus too, because if you can train yourself to keep focusing on what you remember about acquiring that desiring a new thing or appreciating the things you have, like what we appreciate keeps appreciating and what we depreciate depreciates. And if you're in a cycle of negative thinking and you start depreciating everything, you'll diminish yourself to non-existent. Oh, what boy. is that going to do? What's so, that going to do for yourself, your art, your students, anything like you need this inner validation and, uh, it's hard for people to have that because we're, we're trained to look for out, outer validation from our parents for the first 18 years, from our teachers for 12 years or more. It's, it's an awful upbringing because you're born carefree and excited as all get out to be on this planet. And it's look at me, look at me, look at me. And yeah. we admire kids. We admire that tenacity and that zest. And then we kick it out of them. <laughs> and it's like so horrible i like i hate that about education like i never even wanted to be a teacher that was not a desire but i was teaching 10 years of guitar lessons before i even went to berkeley as a student because people liked hearing me play at high school i used to bring my guitar to play in between classes and and people would be like can i take lessons from you can i take lessons from you and you know just as an artist i just liked sharing what i loved you know mm -hmm. But my whole thing was, I just want to keep writing songs and recording and learning more about that. Yeah. yeah. You know? And, and God, the, the, like, how does that, where did your inner validation come from? I certainly didn't get much out of validation. It was, you're a girl, you shouldn't, you can't, nobody does. Uh, you're playing the wrong style of music at Berkeley. Um, nobody cares about the Beatles. You know, stop this, don't do that, don't call it a show. I mean, it was just constant. And I was constantly like, like, I always had to have like a guard up and a, I'm going after this, I don't care what you think, because very early on, the Beatles said, well, we don't, we're not saying we're the best musicians, you know, we're not saying any of that at all, you know, we're just having fun, it's just a laugh, you know, and it's like, if we can do it, anybody can do it, you know, and I thought, oh, that's yeah. great, well, I'll do it too. I didn't think I'm comparing myself to the Beatles, I just thought, I am one of this breed. Yes. Fine. I feel like I could be friends with James Taylor or Carly Simon or the Beatles. I want to hang out with these people. I want to know where the artists are. I want to hang with the people who are like me. Where is my tribe? Where are my people? You know, and that's what you've got to find for your sanity. I think, you know, like, where did you find that? Where did you find inner validation? And how did that give you the, the chutzpah 
you know, to get up on stage? How, how do you deal with stage fright? All that stuff. Um, stage fright. I, 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 I think, I think I got rid of that in fourth grade. My first concert with, really? uh, yeah. Um, with no, and I'm not special here. I'm just saying that that first experience was fun and I was nervous as all heck that I do remember, <laughs> but, um, but I, I think having been a teacher as well of, of like, okay, well, the kids are prepared. We'll go out there and do that. And I feel that for the same with myself, but, but what I want to address is that, you know, my tribe, you know, and I remember you validated some things that I think I've felt for a long, long time, Lauren, but what you just said is that um, I needed to go find more of my people. You know, I mean, stuck around Millerton, New York as a kid on, you know, I could work at the grocery store or work for the fill gas company or, um, you know, a, a number of things, but it wouldn't have been exactly what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And, um, and going to Berkeley and, you know, playing with musicians there as well was fine if I wanted to play the blues and the Allman Brothers every night. And and um, and, and eventually um, just <laughs> in a country band and and I'm, I'm not being judgmental, but that's just not where I wanted to be. And when I got to Berkeley, um, you know, I'm like, OK, here I am. You know, who's there? I get to meet people like yourself. And, and that is, you know, I've thought of, been thinking about this interview and thinking about, you know, how you, you, you get to Berkeley and that you were so well prepared, but I remember how you, you kind of like, well, this is what I'm going to do. And you, you, you claimed it, you yeah. know, remember that term, you know, claiming. Yeah. 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 What did I say? What did we talk about in those days? <laughs> you know, and, um, of, of just claiming that gift, you know, and, and saying, okay, and going for that. And, um, and I, I think, um, I'm not great with words. <laughs> really not. Like you have to, you have to put the label that you want on yourself first. If you have a dream or a desire and you think of yourself as a producer or a player or as an engineer or whatever it is, an arranger, it's like you have to believe in that and give it to yourself first, even when nobody else thinks of you as that. Yeah, right. Arnold Schwarzenegger says it's like, be great at something and tell people about it, you know, or find what you love and share it. You know, it's like you just have to be bold enough to say, this is what I do. This is who I am. This is what I love. And if you want to share it or you want to be a part of it, I'd love to have you, you know, but not that I'm trying to change you or you should be trying to change me. No. Um, I, I wanted to be a, an excellent player. I wanted to be it. I wanted to develop it, you know, as somebody who could cover all the bases as, as a percussionist or a drummer. Right. And we had the rock background and, um, and jazz just intrigued me. And, um, and so when I'm at Berkeley, um, um, identifying with my teachers and identifying with my, you know, my, my compatriots there and, um, and, you know, uh, I was going over to the the, the music store, uh, what was Looney Tunes, and uh, grabbing the records. And uh, I remember that first Art Blakey album that I got and put on the records, and it just it just lit me right up. Yeah. You know, 
hearing the trumpet, the trumpet line of Lee Morgan and Wayne Shorter and and like, holy smokes. And and Art was not the the most um, technically proficient drummer, but boy, he had a spirit to him and a groove to him right. that just it just it it just lights a fire it lit a fire in me and it still does to this day i go back I and it's it just like yeah this is what it's all about it's jazz but it's soul too it's it's spiritual music and um so i um we're like on I, a path to find what feeds us you know it's like yeah. what what is going to be like you have different hungers in yourself sure if you find that art does it or Ringo does it, or this one does it. It's like, you have to find what feeds you, what keeps you going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's that, that seed has not, um, has not died within me. You know, I, I still want to be a player. I still want to get out and play with the best players. And, um, uh, I, I've narrowed it down to more of the uh, more or less what I want to do. I'm not so sure I want to play shows anymore. Um, uh, but I, I like the um, the improvisate the improvisation of getting on the stage. And yes, you have an arrangement, mm-hmm. but you never the same way twice. I mean, there's always going to be a little variation. Tempo might be a little quicker this time, where the dynamics are a little bit different this time. Has mm-hmm. a different feel. Might be a little bit looser. Might be a little tighter. You mm-hmm. know. And um, and it, it depends on it's it's interaction with your with your audience too, and um, and I think that's you know we all try to I think basically we're all trying to make connections with people and 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 um, and <laughs> and you, validation you know is is uh, it sort of validates who you are and I know that you know I where I'm living right now it's 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 a house way out in the country it's beautiful you know and um, and I had been living uh, for a number of years within the village. You know, I had neighbors, I had musician neighbors, I had artist neighbors, you know. And and um, so the landlord went and it totally changed the house up. So I'm like, well, I got to find something. So I find this and it's way out in the country. So I can still practice and whatnot. But I'm not like going out down the street. Hey, Joel, what are you, what, where are you gigging tomorrow night? You know, it, it's, it, I don't have that neighborhood feel, you know. So yeah. when I get gigs now i'm just like i'm just so hungry to be out there and be among people and wow. with my buddies and 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 the the musicians and whatnot and and the regulars that come out and say hey jay how you doing wow you guys sound you guys sound better tonight than you've ever sounded you know and it's <laughs> you know it's almost like church you know you're you're in there with people and it's the real and, church <laughs> yeah it's a living church. Yeah. It's, it's very the real spiritual thing to, to connect with music and to share it with other people. Absolutely. So, um, and you know, I, I, this is fun where, um, you, you, you have people come out of their different professions and then artists come out and say, wow, what, 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 we love your music, you know, and they show you a card, you go see, you know, see their art show and you're like, they're blown away by their art, you know, I mean, these are just these things that you can't make up, make up or predict are going to happen in your life. And, um, it's, it's so rosy, you know, it's so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great way to live really. <laughs> no, what about parts when you come up with parts for somebody's songs like you did for mine? Oh man. Uh, so many people have talked to me 
piano players, bass players, like they'll say, well, what kind of feel do you want? The drummer will say, you know, and it's like they almost turn a knob on their drum machine self. Like, here's the Latin groove. Here's the bossa I can give you. Here's the swing I could give you. Here's the rumba I can give you. Here's the rock I could give you. It's like, what style is your song? I can't figure out what style it is. And I heard Jeff Lynn say he loved pop rock because it's all the styles. Yeah, yeah, it and is I, I never realized that before. I was like, I've always said I was pop rock or art rock, but I was a combination of all the stuff that I grew up listening to and loved. Stevie Wonder, Beatles, James Taylor, Carly Simon, Fleetwood Mac, Doobie Brothers. You know, yes, I, I just like Chicago, all these great things that were happening back then that had some real harmony to it, some really beautiful chords. And what people don't understand is that the Beatles actually used a chord book. You know, Graham Nash's autobiography talked about that Paul and George and he himself used a book called Bert Whedon's Learn Guitar in a Day, something like that. And it still exists. I bought a copy off of it on uh, from, from Amazon just to see what it was. And it's like any other Alfred's or basic Mel, uh, yeah, Mel Bay, Mel Bay uh, book one. Here's, here's the guitar. But this is why George and Paul and John had perfect hand technique. They held their fingers in. They didn't lean on the guitar. They hovered. They held their pick correctly. They knew beautiful chords because they were in this book. You oh, know? no. I didn't and know. George had a phenomenal understanding of chords and understanding of different voicings. And he would baffle Bob Dylan. Bob would be like, where did you learn all these chords? Why do you know all these voicings? You know, and it was just fantastic. So that's why their music was so sophisticated because they learned by using the chords. It mm -hmm. wasn't, these are jazz chords, the way some of my students go. I don't want to play those because they're jazz chords. It's like, are you kidding? This is a Chicago chord. This is a Stevie Wonder chord. Are you nuts? This is the biggest box of crayons. Didn't you want the biggest box of crayons when you were in kindergarten? What do you want? Just three colors? You just want a couple of primary colors? What's the matter for you? You know, like it was like, <laughs> I didn't understand this. How could you play a chordal instrument? when there's only a few of them in the world and not be in love with harmony. I mean, I could hear one chord and go inside of it probably for the rest of eternity. You know, like minor nine. I just love chords. You know, <laughs> you, know you, you just basically said it. you want to have the biggest box of crayons. Mm. Um, when it comes up to making parts, and I don't get to do that a lot, but, um, but I, I, I've listened to so many different type of styles of music that I've just fallen in love with that, you know, uh, I, I didn't dare talk about when I was 18 to my buddies. I love Sergio Mendes in Brazil, 66. I and I love Chicago and um, uh, I love Tony. Herb <laughs> I like Herb Alpert, you know, and I like Tony Bennett. Yeah. God rest his soul. And um, so when, when it comes to, um, and, and you know, what I, I, I played that church gig in Boston and, and it was just like, okay, what are you going to make up? I'm like, oh, wow, this is great. What are we going to, what are we going to do? So I had this Vic Firth percussion box, a little suitcase, and yeah. I had those finger symbols. I had triangles. I had whatever I had in there, it's sandpaper, you know, and sandpaper, sandpaper. you know, what, what is it? I mean, it, it, does it have to be, as you, you turn that dial, okay, here's your Boston over, here's your, you know, meringue, <laughs> you know, I mean, come on, come on. It's, it, it's, it's, um, 
how does that groove that you're going to come up with flow with the song that the person's presenting to you, you know? Yeah. Well, if it if it if it doesn't fall into that particular square, you hmm. square, then um, then you you've got to squiggle with it. Yeah, you got to work with it a little bit, and you know, yeah. we look at the songs that you sent out last week, and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, and and um, I'm, I'm hearing these different sections. It was the first song. Or was it the third song? I, it was one of them where it rocks out a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. And I'm Imagination, like, I'm, maybe. Yeah, I'm hearing the tom-toms. You know, I'm hearing some stuff. Yeah. You know, and I'm not going to go, okay, where is this on my slide rule? Okay, is that, okay, yes, the bossa nova, you know. And <laughs> no, no. And it, 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 it can't, it can't. I mean, you, you take all these books. And you take all the listening that you've done, you know, and you you get all these chops going. And but if it's not music, if it's not, you know, if it's if it's yeah. of red, there should be a stroke of blue on on that on that uh, piece of paper. Yes. Then it's not going to fit, you know. And, and even then, what is the perfect part? And that's and that's all kind of like it, it's like. I'm, I'm going to hear some things and you're going to hear some things and I'm going to like, Oh yeah. I can, yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and um, it, the last thing I want to do is to be like, no, 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 no. How can you want that? Because <laughs> you're, and, you know, I mean, you could, you could go look at Monet's water lilies and, and one person could say, this is, this is that. And another person can say, no, it's something else. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, Every song so, has its own heartbeat. It's it's like trying to find where this song lives best. What's the best tempo? What's the best feel? What's the best yeah, groove? And yeah. depending upon my sensibilities and who I'm working with, all of their sensibilities, or in this case, your sensibilities, we have to find some common ground. And I think what you're defining the difference is when people need to cue up that Latin beat, <laughs> what spice do they need or which swing thing they're going to do for this tune. It's like if you're just getting together with people to jam, or to just do a show where you're just playing real book tunes and people just call tunes and you're just yep. responding. You need to know those different things because they're going to call a samba. They're going to call uh, a, a rumba or whatever. But when it's a, an original song, you're sort of having to go, in my definition of it, a little deeper. Don't do what you basically do. Don't do what you do all the time. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's where I start getting a little crazy like the Steely Dan guys. It's like, I want you to find something that makes this song come alive that you didn't do everywhere else, you know, or a different combination of things that you do all the time, but you're doing it in the form of my song. Yes. So that makes my song have a new life and a new heartbeat or a dimension to it that we didn't expect. Like if you hear Paul Simon play 50 ways to leave your lover without Steve Gadd, it's a beautiful Uh, song anyway. Okay. Paul was trying to use all 12 notes. He was like, Oh, there's 12 notes. Let me see if I can make a song with all 12 notes. And Steve just came up with this thing and it became a classic thing. I mean, it's almost like a signature riff on a guitar or something. It's part of the song now. And Mm -hmm. I'm not wanting to put that kind of pressure on all my drummers that play with me to say, come up with something like that. But it's an interesting thought because if you're working on something and you're Mm going to practice it 6,000 times, I'd like to record it for a good three minutes or so and see what I could write to it because that's what I'm doing with some of these other grooves that I can cue up in a mm-hmm. drum uh, sample pack or something, you know. 
but it's exactly. more fun to do it with a person, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That I'm looking forward to that. Um, <laughs> forward to that. Um, yeah, that's funny that, um, that Steve just threw that in there and, um, and, and, uh, to, for 50 ways. It must have been something that was, you know, cooking around in his head that he was trying and playing and, and, and there's a there's a, um, a drum corps pattern called Crazy Army that he does with his clinics. Oh wow. And I and it's it's all he starts out with and it's on the when he first did his first DVD, um or it was a VHS at that point. Um <laughs> <laughs> it was uh he starts out th- the session with this thing called crazy army cool. and, and um but then according of course steve eventually it sort of morphs into this funk thing and um and it starts and then you're like yeah drum corps it can be really funky i mean the old um, not the, not, not the Texas, you know, the storm Kings or something like that. It's the, it's the drum and the fife and drum corps. Mm. And, um, you know, the, with the, um, with the rope tension, uh, colonial era drums, you know, and there's, okay. boy, I've gone to firemen's parades where I just go to hear that. Wow. And, and man, the, those guys with the, the the wooden beaters on the bass drums and the, the drummers just getting these crazy killer seven stroke rolls, and they're just they're just nailing it, and they're you're, you're marching, you know, you're just like, yeah, see you later, I'm gonna march side the band, I'm gonna uh, and <laughs> afterwards, you know, you're wanting to go home, but your legs and your body want to go with the band. <laughs> yeah. Yes, gotta definitely. follow the groove. Sorry, bye. <laughs> yeah. And. Um, so there's that going on he had that as a kid so that is ingrained in his you know his oh, that i can hear that in that particular yeah sound though yeah that makes sense you know, um if you listen to what was it uh the algero version uh album i think it was called this time and it had his version of spain on there mm. and there's there's a little march um march um component to that as well that he just you know he's got his mambo cowbell and he's you know he's getting into that and the snare drum and then he just makes it so freaking funky wow and, and uh yeah so he can be yeah wow and that that is classic now too so it stays with the piece of music and um but so what I, I love is that you and i kept going you know, I mean, I'm really proud of you. I love that you're still a musician. I love that you've dedicated your life to this and that it's fed you so deeply. And no matter what the ups and downs were in anybody's life, in your own life, you you stuck with it. I mean, there's something to that, you know. And uh, this creative company that I've been craving my whole life, it's like I didn't realize it was like all around me from the from the beginning. But when you're teaching and you're in and out of your classes and stuff, you don't have time to have yeah. these conversations, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and you've been doing great stuff and encouraging kids for so many years. I mean, think about how many people, how many lives we've touched and made a difference to because we weren't jerks and lording <laughs> it over them or anything, you know? <laughs> it's like I've said in so many of these conversations, I've met some really famous people, some really amazing musicians, and they were all, most of them were so kind and loving, you know? So it's like, I don't need to be a taskmaster. I don't... 
my, my students will sometimes say, oh, she lacks the whip <laughs> because oh. they, they want a Nazi teacher. They want someone that's going to threaten to break their legs every day and, and say, go home and practice. It's like, if you're not self-propelled and self-motivated, I don't even yeah. know why you're at Berkeley because Berkeley yeah. is not the place to be a casual, I just want to be uh, you know, a singer or I just want to be a rock star. I mean, like I've just got the cool haircut, so I'm the, I'm the bee's knees. It's like, you know, they're going to teach you how to be an actual musician. If you don't want to do that work, I don't know why you're here, you know? Um, yeah. Um, so you're, you're like, you're a real musician and a real beautiful educator. And I just love that you got back in touch a few years ago. I'm, I'm so thrilled. Thanks, Lauren. Well, I, I'm glad I did too. And I was coming into my year where I'm going to retire. And I'm like, what's happened to everybody, you know, since back in the day? Where is everybody? <laughs> where, where is, is everybody? You know, and it was easy, you know, to find your information um, on the Berkeley website, mm. and 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 I I still, you know, I missed you guys, you know, and um, I'm like, oh, what's Lauren doing? You know, she's <laughs> and and I've gone looked up name. Whatever happened to Linda Punarian? And um, um, I just heard about her recently because John Baboyan said he saw her recently. And she's she still say hello. I don't know. I said, oh, tell her. I said, hello, give her my information. I would love to hear what, wherever she is. She was a sweetheart. I and know. And a good bass player. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she would make me laugh, too, because she had this really sweet, innocent kind of attitude about, yeah, that's the stuff that she would say. <laughs> that. I'm like, yeah, OK, OK. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, Dave Floykaus, um, Jeff Sender, all these names that have just like vanished and um, uh, were, you know, we used to hang with years and years ago. And um, I, I still hear from some of the St. Anne's folks that I used to hang out with um, there in Boston. Okay. Um, yeah. And one of them is is a vocal teacher at the conserva Boston Conservatory, Gina, oh. Gina Fiore. And uh, and uh, yep. but. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what else to do with my life, you know. And <laughs> I'm like, I'm not good at anything else. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's what I say. <laughs> and, and I got married and I have a son who's a musician. He's a fireman, but he's a musician as well. Wow. Uh, yeah. And but I got back on the horse and, you know, played with the bar bands back here. And I'm like, OK, you know, you'll have to do that, you know. And um but uh, I worked. I worked as a bank teller for a while, and um, and I got oh, my, my um, education degree from St. Rose up in Albany, New York, and uh, eventually got back into teaching and uh, and teaching in a public school where it's you know it's a flute and clarinet, you know, and and um, fortunately, That's a hard did, gig. I don't think I could do that gig. That's amazing. It, well, fortunately for me, it was a band gig, and I didn't until the last couple of years. I didn't have to do general music, which I think is mm. you got to be a you got to be a saint to do general music. I know, and really have your act together and yeah. uh, your uh, emotional act together, so that you're not wanting to choke yeah. people, right? <laughs> <laughs> then you really need the whip. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, okay, everybody, line up. Here comes your teacher, and they would say, "Oh, how were they?" I'm like, yeah, "They were great," you know. And and uh, but 
But the band gig was more was was right in my element. You know, the kids would come in, you know, they'd put their instrument in their mouth and they'd play and we, you know, make sure the fingerings were correct and learn the rhythms and whatnot. And and yeah. and I was just really focused in on that. And before you know it, the, the the high school band teacher was saying to me, Yeah, these kids are really picking it up. And I'm like, oh, okay, I must be doing something right. And um bringing the love and the fun with it. I mean, well, I I think I could, I could tell stupid jokes and the kids would laugh, you know, and and, uh, they will still repeat the jokes to me when they see me. And I'm like, Oh, please. No, I didn't tell that joke. Did I, (laughs) Uh, but that's what made it fun for them is, is that, you know, we, we intersperse the music and the, the seriousness of the reading with just like, so, Hey, how are you doing? What's going on? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm proud of you too. You, you inspired me, Lauren. You really do. And, um, I, you know, when you got to Berkeley, you know, yes, you were the the Beatles, um, you know, specialist, but you would talk about, you know, the drop two and four voicings and, and you had all these different things going on in the guitar. I'm like, this girl really knows what she's doing. And and I'm like, holy, um, holy smoke. And, I had a great guitar teacher, Lou Sabini, and yes, he he was just giving me the real stuff from the very beginning. So I studied with him for five years, and after a Mel Bay book and a previous Alfred's book, and he was always writing out little mini chord solos for me and stuff while I played Bill Levitt stuff, he got me into the Bill Levitt Modern Method books. And yeah. I was 11 years old when I started those books. And I said, God, this is a level one book. It's really hard. <laughs> and he said, well, this is a college textbook. I was like, there's a college for guitar? How freaking cool is that? I'm going. <laughs> 11 years old. What do I know about college? You know, oh, I just knew I got to go, you know. Oh, wow. Wonderful. So Wonderful. I knew 20 places to play each chord. In fact, uh, I had a couple of teachers for that first and second proficiency where you could test out a two at the same time. And they thought I was confused. They failed me, I think. No, I think they gave me like a C because they said, that's a level seven chord. That's a level two chord. That's a level five chord. You are obviously confused. That's like, I don't know what level chord you have for which class. I just know all of them. Which one do you want? You know, and they thought I was, you know, they're not going to listen to a girl. You know, they, they just assume you're a moron, you don't know anything about guitar, and you're a student, so shut up and listen. And I went to Bill Levitt and said, well, you know, I, I showed him what I was doing. And he went, oh, they're trying to penalize you for knowing too much? That's ridiculous. And he, you know, changed the grade and, and, and understood what I was doing. But I love that you listen to your students. You're asking them, who are you? What are you doing? What do you love? And you meet them where they are and you help them move forward. That's our job, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I can't believe they're telling us new teachers now, ask your students how you are, how they are. It's like, are you kidding? I've always asked them where they, how they are. You know, I mean, there were just maybe more human skills when you and I were growing up. But, but you and I didn't have teachers like that, you know? Um, I don't know where that came from with us, that we were able to, to find where people are and what, you know, what they like or... What I loved about Lou is that he he was no respecter of styles of music either. He didn't specify one higher than another. It wasn't like jazz is all there is the way Berkeley was when I was there and everything else is watered down and, you know, you're a jerk if you play anything other than that. Well, 
Because here was Pat Metheny sitting in my living room. I'm 32 years old, and he looks me right in the eye and says, you're a great guitar player. Yeah. And I, I literally had to bite my tongue and say, oh, no, you're wrong. Berkeley thinks I'm a jerk because I love the Beatles, and I'm a girl, and, and girls can't play, and, and all this stuff. Because I still had this, this hang-up, you know? Like, sometimes you have to get rid of the, the nonsense that you hear. And at 32 years old, I, I still had a lot of that. It's like you have oh. to recover from going to college. <laughs> bad teachers that you've had and and i was like you don't contradict pat metheny so then i had to ask mick goodrick i said was he just you know saying something nice he's like are you kidding pat wouldn't do that wow wow mick goodrick too yeah yeah wow so yeah yeah, it's, it's, it's just amazing what people consider as great or as good and yet the feel and the magic and the love and the the, the warmth and the heart that you put in everything is so important. And everybody's just worried about chops. It's like, where are you going to go with that? What are you going to say with that? What are yeah. you trying to convey with that? Who are you trying to reach? Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And can you give yourself goosebumps with that or give someone else goosebumps with that? I mean, it's, it's the communication and the intent that's, that's going to sell it, you know? Yeah. Well, so, I, I didn't realize we talked about music that much when we were kids. That's awesome. Um, Can't escape being yourself. You're still talking about it. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It, um, it, it, oh. what, it, the, yeah, go ahead. What haven't we talked about that you feel is uh, something you love to have all your drum students know? And, and maybe all of this is coming out because I'm 63 now and it takes this long to think about music this way. I don't know, but maybe this is way beyond what most beginner students are even able to conceive of. Um, I, yeah, that's a good question. Um, but but um, I, I, what I try to get across to students is, is that they need to um, just be open to other styles of music. You know, they're coming in to take drum lessons with me. They, it's pretty much a given that they're like, okay, I have a fairly open-minded person. You know, the students that I deal with at the prep school, um, it, it's a pretty highfalutin prep school, and it's Hashka school, and um, so um, so they've been exposed for the most part. But what I try to get them to um do is to listen to more than just what they want to play what they have grown up listening what i try to inform them is is that their enjoyment for the music that they normally like is good yes let that be informed inform let that be informed to other styles as well yeah make your art bigger yeah i mean if if uh, I, i i must admit i'm really poor at knowing what is what is hip at, at this point and um but the, the enjoyment that you get out of your music also uh, you can look at that like say somebody who was you know listening to the glenn miller back in the 40s it was doing the same thing for them back then oh yeah but you know, you're you know what you're getting here um with your techno or whatever it is um, somebody else was getting it when somebody was, you know, playing that mm-hmm. playing trumpet solo on um, a little brown jug, you know, and 
So that's awesome. Yeah. And, um, but it, it, there is, is a discipline that, that still has to come with it all. I mean, um, I'm mostly dealing with students who, who once they get out of the lesson, they've got to go, you know, take their advanced math class or math science. And what, or mm. what, what you're, t- you're taking Greek, you're taking Greek. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, and, and when they come back to the next lesson and they're kind of getting it. I said, so what's going on? And uh, how, how's, how are your other classes going? And I'm like, Mr. Bradley, I am so swamped. I got a report to do for English. I got a report to do for, you know, European history. And yes, uh, we have a we have a Greek <laughs> quiz coming up. So I can understand why they might not get to the instrument but I try to inform that or not form. I keep using up worm. Just let them know that once they've sat down at the drum kit in the practice room wow. and they put everything out that working on that groove and listening to some music while they're playing that groove is, um, is something that is just going to help you go, you know, with, with everything else in life, with everything else that's going on. Yes. And, um, so I, I, your cork rise, right? You know, right now there's panic and chaos and monkey mind. Yep. And if you can just focus on something, either get quiet and focus on your breath or play a couple of rudiments, it's a fantastic meditative thing. And it just allows you to calm yourself so that your real self comes back tuned. And then all of a sudden it feels possible. You know, it's almost like it's a low tide and your boat is stuck and you don't even know what to do first. And then as soon as you let your, your water rise, because you're doing something you really want to do first, Mm -hmm. you then have the capacity to get to these other things. And it doesn't seem as daunting, you know? So it's really about learning how to think. Yes, definitely. Mm. That's beautiful Mm. that you teach him that. That's so great. Uh, This has been a wonderful, wonderful two hours. Um, I loved it. Thank you so much. too. Love you. I love you. It's so great to see you. And I'm so happy I'm going to see you in person next week. Wow. Yeah. You want to come over and play? <laughs> you have, you have, have a play date. <laughs> Let's go to the basement. <laughs> uh, oh, you're beautiful. <laughs> so great to see you. Thank you so much. This has been so cool. Oh, it's been so cool here. Thank you so much, Lauren. Okay, I'll I'll shoot you a text when I'm on my way out. Sounds okay. great. Okay. Thanks, Lauren. See you Wednesday. See you Wednesday. Ciao. Oh, ciao. Bye-bye. Jay Bradley, supersonic drummer. I can't wait to see you on Wednesday. <laughs> I'm so glad you got back in touch. That was so fun. You know, I guess just like making a puzzle, they say, the pieces are all right in front of you. Everything you need in your life is right there if you just open your eyes and see it. I'm seeing that more and more. I mean, I've had my tribe in little bits all along, and it's so nice to finally have time to talk about it and see that that's why we played so well together. Make music, have fun, find your tribe, see your tribe, be your tribe, invite some friends over, go make some music. And go to your studio and make stuff. Woo!